0: All statements and opinions expressed by guests of the Adult in the Room podcast are strictly their own and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or opinions of the host, producers, or advertisers. All interviews are presented in their most complete possible form in the interests of free speech. No statements should be interpreted as financial, legal, or medical advice. Listener and viewer discretion are strongly advised. It's the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. That's me. Welcome to the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. Lost in Transnation is the name of the book. Dr. Miriam Grossman, a real doctor, a child and adolescent psychiatrist whose practice consists of trans identified youth and their families, as she puts it on her excellent website, is with me in studio today. And. The question you have to ask when you hear that name of that book, Lost in Transnation, is who is getting lost in this phenomenon sweeping the Western world right now? When a baby's in the womb, uh, we can tell if it's a boy or a girl, generally speaking, and generally speaking, it's one or the other. In fact, overwhelmingly, it's one or the other. But when humans now have decided that they can change a person's sex, change a gender, and makes you wonder, how do you change something that is literally embedded, encoded with a male or female imprint on every system of the body? How do you do that? How does one do that? And to whatever belief system you may subscribe to, there's, there's no denying that sex and gender was never an accident. That was meant to be. So why are we so quick to say, oh, let's change it. Have we really fl- uh, plumbed the full depths of what it is to be who you are right now? So I have questions. I have a lot of questions. And, um, I want to ask about the sudden tidal wave of change in the very way we treat our children. Indeed, the relationship between parent and child, child to himself or herself. It feels this trend. It feels so familiar. It feels like political medicine, not scienced, science-based medicine. And we've seen it before and we've seen it recently. And I have questions such as why is it that when one transitions, the desired endpoint is always the opposite from what they are? I mean, we're told that there's fluidity, right? So if where there is such a thing, isn't there a continuum? Isn't there a spot on the spectrum that one says, you know, I want to stop there? I mean, is that possible? Is it doable? Or is this just a farce? Is just just a construct that we're told exists? And how can one not know and then choose the opposite sex to transition to? How do we know we'll be happy in a body that is utterly different from the one we were born with right down to the cellular level? So a decade or go and A decade or uh, ago or so, a few years back, I remember this because I was in Oregon at the time, and there was a huge debate on the left that talk therapy, you know, to get to what would the bottom of someone's confused sexuality was, um, it was dismissed and it was derided and literally like disgorged from civil and polite society because it was called conversion therapy. Now, how is literally, surgically changing a person's body not conversion therapy? And all of a sudden, it's okay. How does that happen exactly? And who is lost once again in this trans process? Who is lost in transnation? The kid and the parents. And as Dr. Grossman writes, transgender ideology is a system of beliefs, like a religion. It has a unique language and articles of faith. While the language and beliefs are bizarre, they are taught as sacred facts. The core belief that biology can and should be denied is a repudiation of reality. So, Dr. Miriam Grossman, welcome to the Adult in the Room podcast. Hi, Victoria. Thank you for having me. I have to ask, how has this writing this book, this latest one, in this maelstrom, how have you kept your head? You're obviously a target. Wait a minute. How have I kept my head? Is that your question? Yeah. How have you kept your sanity through all of this? You oh, have written well, a book. Who I mean, says he...
1: I kept my sanity?
0: <laughs>
1: I mean, you know, this This was a, <clears throat> there was a very difficult book to write for many reasons. I thought it was going to be a 200-page book when I started out. It's over 300 pages, and I didn't even get to say everything I would have wanted to say. So this is a huge subject. It's a critical subject. And in the meantime, as I'm writing it, I'm getting emails from families, from parents saying, my daughter's getting a mastectomy tomorrow. Wow. I need your help. I'm getting emails from young men who have been castrated and they're suicidal. This is a major medical scandal. And I wrote this book to provide families with the information and the tools that they need to to keep their families safe from what is a social contagion. This is spreading among friend groups. It spreads online. It spreads at schools, and parents really have to beware and start early with their children before this nuclear bomb hits their household in which their son says, or daughter, says, I'm not your son, I'm your daughter. I want to be called this new name and these new pronouns, and I want you to take me to a gender clinic where my puberty will be stopped. That's already <clears throat> that's already a catastrophe. Excuse me, Victoria. I'm just talking so much all day mm-hmm. and I'm losing my voice. Oh, let's have a drink together. So this is a book, Lost in Transnation, a child psychiatrist guide out of the madness. I'm a board-certified child and adolescent psychiatrist. I've been in practice for many decades. And I will tell you that when I trained some 35 years ago, gender, uh, gender identity disorder, as it was called back then, was so rare. It occurred in maybe one in tens of thousands of people. And I never expect to see, to, to, to see even one individual in my practice who had this disorder. That's how Incredibly rare it is. And lo and behold, all these years later, and that's all I do, and I could fill my practice up many times over if I accepted all the patients that are trying to get in to see me. So I I'm I I wrote this book. I wrote it with my heart and soul because I cannot bear to see what's happening. Little kids are being led to believe that their bodies are wrong. They're being led to believe that they they could be a mistake and that they need to turn to uh, uh, medications and operations in order to correct their bodies so that it, quote unquote, aligns
0: with their minds. There is no medical basis for any of this. I want to go into that. You say that, I mean, obviously, you ardently love children. That is your practice the children and their families and your heart in this book is with parents and families because they're victims too. And you say my profession has abandoned them. And so are you, are you one of those uh, people who were very few and far between wherein you suggest to patients that it's really not something that they can change with the flip of a switch or a few surgeries, that it actually is something that you could wait wait their way through? Well, wait of, course, way
1: through. of course, that's what I do. But first, what I do is establish a relationship like I would with any patient. Okay, a relationship in therapy is due to trust. It takes time to build that up. And gender therapists are just knee-jerk uh, affirming, you know, knee-jerk, just tell me what your name is, tell me what your gender is, are you ma- Are you a boy, are you a girl, are you both, are you neither, are you... Uh, it, it, you know, there's how many dozens and dozens of choices of identities now that do not make any sense. Biology tells us and has always told us that male and female are established at conception. The moment that the sperm and the egg unite, that is when male and female is established permanently. There is no changing that. Now, we are leading kids to believe, and all of us are hearing this phrase nonstop, the phrase, sex assigned at birth. Now, I want to explain to your audience why that phrase is used and why it is incorrect. As I just said, sex is established, permanently established at conception, nine months before birth. It then is recognized at birth or sooner. We have ultrasounds. Hello. People have ultrasounds and they find out months earlier if they're having a boy or a girl. Now, why is this language used? It's used in order to give us the impression that being male or female is something that is randomly assigned without any reason by some third party unrelated to the truth. (laughs) And so it is separate. Happenstance. Yes, it's just, it's happenstance. It's like if your gym teacher randomly puts you on the blue team or the red team, you know, it's just by accident. And then as you get older in life, you might realize, oh, that was a mistake. I'm actually not a boy. I'm a girl. And now I need to tell everyone that I'm a girl. Now, there are very rare individuals who do have a psychological disorder and it's debilitating, and with they, they, they must be uh, uh, treated with compassion and with respect and everything else. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a social contagion among kids, young kids and teenagers, who never before had any discomfort with their bodies, but they have other issues. They may be depressed or anxious or have ADHD or maybe the be on the autism spectrum, and they hear about this idea of being transgender and online on YouTube and on Reddit and on all the different uh you know uh social media that they're getting into, there are individuals, some of them adults, who are misinforming them and grooming them into the belief that if you have any emotional issues whatsoever, even if you just don't like getting your period, tell me, Victoria, is there
0: a girl that likes getting her period? No, I've never met one, and I've lived a long time, and I've... No, yeah, no. Anybody? No, no. (laughs) Nope. are
1: telling They are telling girls that if you don't like the idea of getting your period like in the girls that haven't yet started. Mhm. If you are worried about that and you don't want that to happen to you, you may be a boy. <sighs> okay, if you don't like your developing breasts and you're uncomfortable with people staring at your chest, mm-hmm. you may
0: be a boy. This is what is going on right now. And that and that's happening in the schools right now. You've written 3 books or not actually you've written more than that. But you wrote unprotected. You wrote, you're teaching my child what? And then you wrote a children's book, black and The Black and White Puppy, a story about the biology of love, which I think I'm going to have to get, and Lost in Transnation, of course, your latest one. And you've said, this has been going on for a very long time. And people have while not missed it, they've certainly recoiled against the, and, and fought against all of this uh, bizarre sex ed that's being promulgated in, in public schools, you know, in uh, inappropriate ages. I mean, do I really need to see a two men servicing each other and queer sex for a fifth grader? I don't think so. And I think that's wrong. And I, and I'm, and I don't even know under what circumstances it would be shown at any point in school, frankly. Of course, of but, course. Uh, so ch- children are traumatized. Parents are traumatized. They're given messages from social media and all other kinds of things. And you've said that there are things that you cannot get to in this book. Among them, you cannot plumb the depths of wh- how much uh, pornography impacts trans youth or people who are toying with the idea, nor can you really plumb the depths, although you do, do give it uh, quite a treatment on the issue of people who are oftentimes prescribed a sex change surgery, which is what we used to call it, a, are, are on the autism spectrum. Can you talk a little bit about first pornography and then autism and any other thing that you think is important that people know um, and and are these the things causing this transgender confu- or this gender confusion, or is it the gender confusing causing all the rest of it? What's the chicken well, and the egg? Well, you
1: know, it, it's a complex issue, and I think there are many factors uh, that contribute to why this became so big right now. But as you said, and as I wrote in my 2009 book, uh, "You're Teaching My Child What." I I I discovered all the way back then I mean it's now it's like 15 years ago I discovered that sex educators Planned Parenthood Secus, and other organizations that receive our tax dollars were uh were, were were indoctrinating kids with this idea of uh you know sex is assigned at birth there's no such thing as a bi- you know the binary of male and female is oppressive and they start using this um you know marxist language about sexuality that um the notion of just of just having males and females is actually an oppressive idea that has to be brought down and this of course you know th- this is at the heart of gender studies and a lot of f- uh, femi- feminist studies and the thing is that it was it it, it was really um limited to sex education And uh, universities for quite a long time, but then a tipping point came about ten or maybe less years ago, maybe you know six to ten years ago, when uh, we noted a uh, a dramatic increase in the number of kids that were presenting with this symptom of gender dysphoria, which it which means. Um, distress over your body and wanting to be the opposite sex or some other category. Now, um, the interesting thing that happened is that this new population of kids who have this symptom are a brand new group. We never saw this group before in history. In the past, what we saw was either really young kids like Jazz Jennings, who, you know, came to his parents when he was two years old, in diapers, and started talking about, you know, I am a girl, I'm not a boy, at the age of two years old. So, obviously, Jazz Jennings did not hear about this from friends, did not hear about this on YouTube. It was something going on internally. We don't quite understand it, but we have known for a long time that this does exist. However, those little kids, those very rare little kids, like Jazz, who had this symptom, we know from 11 studies that have been done on them, 11 studies from different places in the world um, uh, at different times in the world, showed that the vast majority, between 60 and over 90% of these kids, would grow out of it if you let, wow. them, if you let them go through natural puberty—
0: then they do grow out of it. Many what of them it? are gay or lesbian. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I, I, so that's when, I mean, yeah. this erases, you know, lesbians. This this always erases women. What the hell yes. is that about?
1: Well, this is, I mean, we could spend an hour just about <laughs> yeah. that, right? Um, <laughs> another okay. time, I guess. <laughs> but, well, you know, what I want to explain to your audience is that not long ago, we, you know, in psychiatry and psychology, were very well aware that that this symptom did exist of gender dysphoria and it and it and and it was normally seen either in these little kids who would normally grow out of it mm-hmm. or middle-aged heterosexual men who were cross-dressing for many years uh because they are some of them not all sexually aroused by the idea of being a woman so this is a totally different group of people from these teenagers that we're seeing now who the majority are girls. There's still a lot of boys. Don't think there aren't a lot of boys because there are. The majority seem to be girls. They are um, kids who have pre-existing mental health issues. But most importantly, they heard about this from some external source from their friend online, on YouTube, from their guidance counselor, from their GSA club at school, from Disney, from uh, Target. They're hearing about it from outside, and then they're thinking, hmm, maybe I'm transgender.
0: So they're very suggestible.
1: They certainly are suggestible, especially when this is something that is being so celebrated Yes. And it is being presented as an option for them and without the,
0: without the fact that they're going to pay a price for it. Um, is it something that has to do with the desire to be a victim because we're all separated into victim groups now and they just love the idea of, oh, I've got something. I'm sure I was previously X, Y and Z. Uh, and are most of the people who want to transition, are most of them white? Okay.
1: So, yes, the first point that you made when, you know, if you are a middle or upper class white heterosexual student, you're an oppressor. Right. If you Guilty. cannot, yeah, you cannot change your race. You cannot change your social, you know, your socioeconomic status. You cannot change your sexual orientation. But you can say that you are non binary and therefore you are now one of the oppressed and not one of the oppressors. Mm-hmm. That is definitely yes. That is going on in our schools.
0: <laughs> okay. And so most of them are white, most of them are these teen girls and that sort of thing. Okay, so then you're a parent, you're going, yeah, sure, this is going to pass just like the last fad passed, just like the last thing before that passed. But parents have been traumatized because now they find themselves in a bind, so to speak. They have no rights because the law has been written now in California, all along the West Coast, West Coast, certainly, that they cannot interfere with their child's so-called transition because it is somehow child abuse, not to quote-unquote affirm the latest cockamamie scheme that their kid's going through. Okay. That is
1: is correct. That is a major issue now going on in, you know, all over the country. I provide in my book, Lost in Transnation, a number of stories, you know, real families that I know that I personally met with that went through this and actually lost their child because they were unwilling to consider the child the opposite sex and go along with the narrative, with the name, the pronouns, the puberty blockers, and the cross-sex hormones. They would not do that. These are loving and devoted parents, but they, you know, they, 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 they set the limit at uh, lying to their child, and they're not going to support. A child moving forward with, with harmful medical treatments. And, and yes, this is a major issue. So I have in the book um, appendices that are written by lawyers, brilliant lawyers who specialize in parental rights when it comes to these transgender issues. Um, I don't want parents to be uh, ambushed by, by this happening. You know, by their child suddenly coming and making this announcement or by finding out that their daughter is using the boy's bathroom at school when they didn't realize it or by having the police knock on their door with Child Protective Services saying, we're taking your child or, you know, we need to come in and, and talk to everyone in the family because you are abusing your child. You are emotionally abusive of your child for not affirming their new identity. This is what's going on in our
0: country right now. Mm -hmm. And it all started, if what I've heard you say is uh, what you, what I gathered anyway, um, the godfather of this whole movement is Dr. John Money. And I... Worry, I, 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 first of all, his story is fascinating, but he's still being allotted for putting out a phony study about trans transgender and or your assigned sex. Can you talk a little bit about him? Would you be comfortable doing that?
1: John Money, not a good guy, a pedophile, pro incest, pro pornography for minors, uh, not a good guy. Uh, he essentially had a theory that we could. Uh, separate our identity from biology, from our, bo- our bodies. And he called that gender identity. So he was the one that coined that term gender identity in 1957. I explain the whole story in my book. I want parents to understand this. He came up with the idea of gender identity, that you could be, you could feel and go through life as someone that is the opposite of your physical reality. That was his idea. And he undertook an experiment with a, uh, a, a, a family that had gone through a terrible tragedy, a blue collar, young Canadian family uh, who had given birth to twins, twin boys. The boys were fine. They went for a circumcision. Something was wrong with the equipment. One of the boys had his penis burnt off. Parents were devastated, obviously, didn't know what to do, heard about John Money. John Money was insisting that we are born gender neutral and that you could raise a boy as a girl uh, if you just uh, put him in a pink dress. And in other words, he was saying that it's all due to culture. It's all due to, it's a social construct is the phrase that that he used and that others we still hear that left and right, a social construct. So society is making us masculine or feminine, not our genetics, not our hormones. Now, of course, we know in this day and age, we have entire medical specialties that are based on the science of, uh, the science of sex, which, which boils down to what you said earlier, Victoria, when you, before you introduced me, that every cell in the body is stamped, either male or female, depending on what's in the nucleus, the chromosomes in the nucleus, and that makes a massive difference. So, but, so John Money came up with this theory way before we knew anything about the human genome. And he, what, he spent his life trying to prove this theory that you could deny biology. Why did he want to deny biology? because john money himself hated being a man john money himself had gender dysphoria he grew up his male role model was an alcoholic uh uh you know a, a, a aggressive out of control uh uh father who beat him and beat his mother and killed animals oh jeez so oh jeez little little John grew up in in the
0: shadow of this horrible monster, and wow. he, he identified with his mother was he was he also molested? Did his dad molest him? I bet she'm did. sorry did his dad molest him? do you think
1: well, i don't ha we don't have evidence of that, but he he did beat him. Mm. um, we don't know if he molested him, but poor John was a was a small, thin. Um, delicate boy and uh, it could be, you know, certainly sounds likely that his father rejected him his father beat him and so John grew up with this image that this is what it means to be a man okay, so he hated his own genitals he wrote that he uh, he said, I bear the vile mark of man's sexuality. All right. So this is where it all comes from. But getting back to today, we are, we are indoctrinating children to believe that how you feel is, is, is what you actually are, and that everyone needs to accept what you, the, what you feel you identify as. And if they don't, they are bad people. And if your parents are not with the narrative, and they're not going to call you your new chosen name and pronouns, and take you to a gender clinic for uh, puberty blockers, which by the way could very well end up in 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 your being infertile, well then your parents are bad people. You see.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. So now we have what you've mentioned and you've said is this current medical care in which we are experimenting on children. That this affirming care, quoting you, is the experiment.
1: Yes. The reason why it's an experiment is because it's all based on one study. You know, you would think from listening to our government, from listening to Dr. Admiral Rachel Levine, listening to Joe Biden, listening to any, any number of medical organizations, That this has all just been researched, you know, and it's so comprehensive, and we have all the data and all the information, and this is what's best for children, and there's a medical consensus, right? Wouldn't you believe that?
0: Yeah, you'd think so. That's what we've been told. But then again, we're also just coming out of COVID, and there wasn't a huge consensus on that as well, or the voices which uh, disagreed were silenced. Like... All
1: right. So that is precisely what we have here. We have voices silenced. We have professionals, psychiatrists, child psychiatrists, psychologists, pediatricians, endocrinologists. And I explain all of this in my book. They are silenced. They are shunned. Okay. I'm not going to be given an opportunity to speak at the annual uh, meeting of the American Academy of, of Pediatrics or Child psychiatry. They're not going to invite me to speak because I am challenging the narrative
0: hmm uh the, most of this information, if not all, is in dr uh Dr Grossman's book the La- Lost in Transnation: A Child Psychiatrist's Guide Out of the Madness and um there it is. nice cover too. as one of my favorite guests. Uh, Professor Nancy Piercy has noted, I don't know if you're familiar with her work, but she's, she's really wonderful. The legal practitioners and secular activists and politicians have systematically worked over decades to remove personhood from our very biology. And that extends now in law to parenthood from the biological relationship with a child. And now that takes away the parenthood from a child who wants now to make its his or her own decisions and in fact the the state's arrogated to itself the power to determine what a person is who qualifies that as that and it's not based on biology it seems to me that this complicates this matter to no end
1: well you know there is so many things to talk about Victoria, I just am kind of, you know, I'm just day and night trying to get the message out to parents. I don't want to have more people banging on my door. I want families to protect their children from this scourge, from this epidemic, and they they can do that from an early age. It really is possible, but you have to uh, be in the know, and you have to be aware that the school's some of them are indoctrination centers. You have to know what's going on in your child's classroom, in the library, what kind of books are there in that library, what kind of guest speakers are being invited into the class to speak, and all sorts of issues. You have to have control over your child's internet use. Very, yes. very important. I do, have you pe- append- do, you kids, do you think kids should have phones? Well, they shouldn't have smartphones. I mean, a, f- a flip phone, uh, you know, in, in, for emergencies and to talk to their friends, but smartphones, oh my gosh. I mean, you got to be really, really vigilant. So I include in the book a appendix written by an IT person for parents getting control of your child's internet use. You have to do it. If you don't do it, it's as if you're driving your child to the worst, most crime-ridden part of town, opening the door and saying, have fun.
0: Yeah. Now, in the news on this very day that we're recording, we hear the story about a young North Carolina woman who's suing her medical team for her, quote-unquote, transition. Uh, They put her on testosterone at age 17, I read here, surgically removed her breasts the next year, saying she was fast tracked into transgender care for profit and she said she was confused battling mental health problems you know that you know this you know what happened to her and then she discovered how to do it or what was wrong what was wrong with her you know Dr Google Google uh and then she made this fateful decision and of course her parents could have nothing to say about it because they they're just dumb parents they don't know anymore
1: well, just no one minute, Victoria, if I may say that the parents you see, the parents often will go along with it because they are so frightened. They've been told by the gender therapist that your kid is going to commit suicide if you don't go with it.
0: And and isn't it true that things that often come are and are associated with gender dysphoria are depression and other kinds of ailments, uh, including eating disorders and all the other things that we've already talked about, and basically, pre, not preordained, but just act as a, as a tell that these kids might, in fact, uh, kill themselves anyway.
1: Well, what you're, yeah, what you're saying is that they have comorbid conditions that carry with them the risk of being suicidal. That's absolutely correct. And being lesbian, gay, or bisexual also carries an increased risk of that. And many of these kids are. So, yes, there is no epidemic of suicide among transgender-identified kids. What what I'm concerned about, Victoria, is the suicides among the detransitioners, oh. the people who go through all this and oh, lose, man. you know, they have normal uh, organs removed. They, they you know, the girls who have their breasts removed, their voices are lowered permanently. Mm. They have facial hair Uh, That's very hard to get rid of. They may have trouble with their fertility. And they're the ones that I'm concerned about their suicidality. And I'm also concerned about the parents. The parents getting no support from my colleagues in mental health. Instead, the parents being told, you are the problem that your kid isn't doing well. You need to accept your kid's new identity.
0: You know, one time I was at the hospital with my newborn, and she had, um, you know, she'd just been born. So she was excreting all kinds of hormones and she u- urinated her diaper, and there was blood and it spread all over her diaper. And, um, you know, it just looked awful. My husband was changing her diapers, and he went, ah. ah! And so I, I go, okay, okay. You know, I, 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 I thought, well, you know, it's that, you know, the rush of hormones that comes uh, after birth. She's got my hormones in her, you know, and it's whatever manifesting itself. Uh, so anyway, I took her to the doctor, and I got the new guy, and the new guy had just transferred over from Children's Hospital, wherein he was the expert on uh, child abuse. And so he proceeded to do a child abuse study on her, and said, "Well, it doesn't look like there was any penetration." And and I thought to myself, "Now I was outraged. First of all, I had told him what I thought it was. He should have known what that was. But of course, he goes to he goes to the mattresses first. He decides that he's going to go to the worst possible outcome, and and he's doing this, you know, checklist on my daughter. And I, I was you know, and I thought to myself." That was what I felt like. I felt like one of those parents confronted with a medical expert. And if I, if I say anything and defend myself, I look like I'm overly defensive. And if I don't defend myself, that looks bad too. And if I say anything, it's going to be the wrong thing. I understand. I totally get it. And I called his boss and I said, I never want to see that doctor again. He said, wow, that's a story. Well, I mean, it, you know,
1: well, so yeah, to I mean, people. these parents are going through the worst thing that they have ever, I'm um, parents who have had cancer, you know, went through divorce, nine eleven, you name it, financial ruin. This is the absolute worst thing they've ever gone through. And, and one of the chapters in, in fact, the entire book is dedicated to parents. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So if you open up the book and you read, um, the dedication. What I say there is that this book is dedicated to parents. I talk to you from your bathrooms, your ba- your basements, and your cars because you, you, you were whispering on the phone to me as if you were criminals. The you are not criminals. You are heroes. The criminals are the therapists and the the doctors and therapists that. That uh, put your child on a path to harm.
0: Why are they doing it? Are they under the same uh, social contagion?
1: Who the doctors? Mm-hmm. I believe there's a social contagion among the doctors as well. Uh, but a lot of them, a lot of them are just scared. I have a lot of emails, dozens and dozens. I mean, if not hundreds of emails from doctors, psychologists, social workers, emailing me and saying, Dr. Grossman, we're with you 100%. We cannot come out and say so. We're
0: going to lose our jobs. You're gonna, you know what? I'm, COVID should have taught everyone a little something, something. And that is, you can't stand by and not say anything. Somebody's got to stand up for what's right. Somebody has to be courageous, courageous. Not cowardly, and stand up and say this is wrong.
1: Well, Victoria, here I am, and that's what I'm doing. You're you're the you're the guy.
0: You and Jordan Peterson the who wrote the foreword of your book, which, yes, by the way,
1: Jordan Peterson. I hope so much that people are gonna, you know, get it from the library. Go to your library. Tell your library that you need to that they need to get this book, and then take
0: it out from the library. I don't care how you get it read it protect your family protect your children i mean honestly yes lost in Transnation, a child psychiatrist's guide out of the madness it's a handbook for parents miriam grossman and it's md it's not in pa-
1: not in paperback
0: oh yeah, yeah not that's in addition that's a scam the yeah pay- in addition yeah go ahead
1: no it's the paperback is a scam i want your audience to understand there's a lot of scams on amazon Be sure that you get the hardcover. It's not a handbook. Uh, It's not a a paperback. It is the hardcover with the foreword by Jordan Peterson. And if the best way to find it actually is to go to my website and there's a link there, MiriamGrossmanMD.com. And please, or go to Twitter, Miriam underscore Grossman.
0: uh, And there's a link there that will take you to the real book. Right. I got it on Kindle. That's a real book. Uh, but there's no there. There's only hardcover, Kindle so far. And you're doing a, your your audiobook. Yes. I'm an audiobook I'm narr- producer. I'm narrating it. And it's hard, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's yeah. hard, but I love it. That's awesome, and the the book's great so far. Th- that all I've been able to read, and it's fantastic. And thank you so much. I appreciate it. You well, are. Thank doing... you, Victoria. You're the one. She's thank the you, one, Victoria. Everybody. Thank you so much. Well, it was really great to talk to Dr. Grossman. She's a courageous woman. She's out there pretty much doing it all by herself. Dr. Jordan Peterson, who they've tried to cancel, and now she is being, at least they're trying to cancel her. Barnes & Noble has, uh, you know, oh gosh, we just, um, we're not going to order her book. So, of course, what that means is the people who constantly harp on the fact that others want to so-called ban books, how they have banned book sections and all that, are banning a book for their store, at least. It's kind of silly, don't you think? You know, I went through uh, her book, and then I also, in addition, went through a bunch of case studies and stories, trying to get up to scratch about how I would go about this interview today, because I, I have really tried to avoid this subject. I'm going to be totally honest with you because I knew that it would just be a mountain of information, a mountain of expertise that I'd have to climb in order to conduct an even remotely intelligent interview with Dr. Grossman. And throughout this time, I mean, I've heard about these issues. A friend of mine came up to me years ago and she goes, you've got to help me write about the California sex ed program, Victoria, you have to. And I I was like, oh my gosh, I don't... It's so massive. It's so big because you have to learn an entire new language, you speak and you have to learn it in this case for transgender stuff. You have to learn an entire new uh, way of thinking and a, a new way of uh, speaking and ent- entirely different nomenclature. And I'm not saying I'm too lazy because clearly I'm not. I mean, I'm just hustling all the time. I'm busy and I'm working and I'm trying to do really meaningful content here. <sighs> But finally I just go, okay, I want Dr. Grossman. I want to talk to her on the program. I want to spend some quality time with her. And the more I went through these stories. And I saw how bereft these people are. Let me let me give you an example. If you if you follow some of the D-Trans people, which I wasn't, because I think there's you know, there's probably jive on both sides, but so I, I've decided to look up some of these pers- these people. And this person named shapeshifter was doing a, an interview with, uh, a guy who's used to be a girl now he's a guy. No, how'd that work out? Yeah. He's, yeah. I think that's how it worked. And that, that's another thing we have to just deny reality and use their crazy pro their their pronouns and words that have no meaning in the English language except that we have to lie in order to use it now that is wrong that is wrong but anyway so this person named shapeshifter is a man he's still a man um uh well that's the way he says he is and he describes how dangerous it can be to trans uh undergo sex change operation we used to call it sex changes remember that um and Shapeshifter said it ruined his sex life and his health. He's got bone density issues. Uh, He's currently trying to find a way to get testosterone back into his body that he's not allergic to. And the reason that he cannot produce any testosterone is because he had bottom surgery, which means everything was taken off. All of his sex organs gone. He says, I know I'm not a woman, although he presents as one. I'm a man. But I know I can't go back to my original body. That's the reality, he said. And he doesn't stand, he doesn't want to be known as someone who stands for trans surgeries because he thinks that there's too many things that go wrong. And he was 23 when he first started this, this transition. I mean, I just saw an interview with Chloe Cole and they started and they totally signed off on this surgery for Chloe Cole when he was 13. I mean, starting with puberty blockers and and all of that. And now Chloe Cole um, is still a girl and um, wants to have kids and get married someday to a man. These are not small things. God is not mocked, by the way. And as uh, Dr. Grossman said, we are embedded and encoded with our who we are from the very very beginning since our very the moment that spark you can actually see the spark of life occur under a microscope and that's when we take on a male or female persona if you will these are not small things and I think somebody should undergo counseling for like, I don't know, years before they decide to do this kind of surgery. This is too big. This is too much. This is more than a a teenage brain can handle. And indeed, it's more than a 20 something year old brain can handle. Haven't we been told, hasn't it been beaten into our head that we're only, our brain is only fully functioning and fully developed when we're 25. How about if we just, why don't we just go along with that and say, okay, if at 25 you still think you should be a chick or a guy, then go on with your bad self because there are different reasons that people do this. But kids, Dr. Grossman says it's a social contagion. I totally believe that. I mean, why else does, look at this story. Look at this. 40% of the students at Brown University identify as LGBT, that means lesbian, gay, bi, trans, 40%. That's not true. That's a lie. You know, there's lies, damn lies, and statistics. This is one of the damn lying statistics. That's not true. They just say that so they can fit in and be a victim. And that's that's true. Well, anyway, gone long here. Appreciate you being here. Remember, you know... Come on back. We're here every week. And we'll talk to you on the Adult in the Room podcast. So I guess this is the day today, especially I go, mischief managed, baby. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Adult in the Room podcast. To keep the programs you like to listen to, please rate this podcast with a fantastic five stars on your Apple podcast app every time you listen and give me a great review plus of course subscribe to the podcast it makes a difference with the big tech algorithm and the big tech oligarchs and it makes us easier to find please get in touch with me on all the big tech stuff yeah we're still there using the names victoria taft or the adult in the room podcast on miwi parlor minds facebook twitter and instagram thanks to one a cast for imaging editing and production The fantastic song is Gospel by the March 4th Band of Portland, Oregon. Music for Antifa versus Mike Strickland is Ride or Die by Raps by RC. The Adult in the Room podcast is also a production of Flamingo Road Studios. Remember, head up, heart out, and strive to be the adult in the room. Till next time, Mischief Managed. right